Greetings, pronouns to all of you who are following these programs and uh, greetings to our members and friends and particularly to those of you who are assisting to one of our programs for the first time. We are very happy to have you with us. We usually start our services with an opening prayer during which we ask for the blessings of our line of gurus, Jesus Christ, Bhagavan Krishna, Mahavatar Babaji, and Lahiri Mahashaya, Swami Sri Teswar, and Paramahansa Yogananda. We honor Lord Jesus and Bhagavan Krishna, whose teachings our Guru Paramahansa Yogananda explained, interpreted for this day and age in his two beautiful books, The Second Coming of Christ and God Talks with Arjuna. Our Guru explained the underlying harmony between the teachings of these two great avatars and also how both of them refer to particular uh, methods to interiorize the consciousness and pursue communion with God within. Scientific methods such as the one we practice in our Kriya Yoga that we teach in Self-Realization Fellowship. So let's close our eyes and interiorize, gently lifting our gaze to the point between the eyebrow and we pray together. Heavenly Father, Mother, Friend, Beloved God, Jesus Christ, Bhagavan Krishna, Mahavatar Babaji, Lahiri Mahashaya, Swami Sri Yukteswar, and our Guru Paramahansa Yogananda, Saints of all religions, we bow to you all. Divine Mother, in the language of our souls, we demand realization of thy presence. Thou art the essence of everything. Make us feel thee in every fiber of our being, in every whispered thought. Awaken our hearts. Om, peace, amen. So let's begin our service with a period of chanting and meditation. Okay, let's sit down in our meditation poster, a simple meditation poster with spine erect, gaze gently lifted up to the point between the eyebrows, closed eyes. And from this poster we start our chant and then we go into a period of silent meditation. It's a very simple chant. The words are very simple. They are, Receive me on thy lap, O Mother. Cast me not at that door. Cast me not at delusion door. And we repeat them with great feeling, with great devotion in our hearts until we feel that sense, that feeling of love. And then we concentrate on that feeling of love, trying to expand it more and more in our heart. Receive me on thy lap, O Mother, cast me not at Receive me on thy lap, O Mother, cast me not at the illusions to 
Receive me on thy lap, O Mother. Cast me not at death's door. Receive me on thy lap, O Mother. Cast me not at delusion's door. Receive me on thy lap, O Mother. Cast me not at Let's keep chanting mentally, imbuing our singing, mental chanting with devotion 
and feeling.
Today is cultivating spiritual enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is a very important topic. This ability to motivate ourselves and feel joy and in whatever we are doing. Uh, it's important in every aspect of life, not only on the spiritual path, but particularly on the spiritual path in our long-term goal to achieve communion with God. So it's a good topic to reflect and think about. Somebody said that a man can succeed at almost anything for which he has unlimited enthusiasm. I remember a few years ago watching a little video program of uh, a lady, a young lady, a young wife and mother, as she was going through the regular activities of a young mother and lady and worker. She was uh, uh, seen uh, working from home, typing at her computer, at the keyboard, taking care of the little baby, cuddling it and dressing it and changing diapers and, and then uh, going out for shopping and driving her car and even stopping at the fast food store and get a tray of food from the window. Everything pretty normal activities of a regular lady. What was not really normal, what was really exceptional, was that this lady had no arms. Most sadly, she had been born without arms and they were not able to fix artificial limbs on her. So she had to learn everything to live a regular life, as normal as possible a life. And she was beautiful outside and inside, we can say. She was full of joy of living. And she did all those things effortlessly, seemingly effortlessly. Neither of us could do uh, anything that she used to do regularly on her, on her uh, daily life with this type of uh, naturalness. It was a beautiful thing to see. And uh, she was full of joy of living. When they interviewed her, she hardly referred to her physical handicap. She had such spiritual enthusiasm which really illuminated her. It was a beautiful thing to see in that video. I think she was an example of unlimited enthusiasm to live our life, no matter what handicaps our life can put on our way. Enthusiasm is a, an interesting word. So it comes from the Greek, you know, en teos. You know, en means in or inside or within. <clears throat> teos means God. God inside, God within. So the ancient Greek believed that when somebody was enthused, when somebody was going for whatever he wanted to do with great force, with great joy, and he was inspired and he, and he was wise in his talking, you know, full of enthusiasm, enthusiasm they, the Greek believed that at that moment, uh, the person was uh, kind of possessed by a power which was bigger than himself, you know, a greater power, a god possessed him. So he had this God within empowering him to do what he wanted to do. It was a beautiful, beautiful belief because enthusiasm 
create this feeling that you know I can do it. I, I can do anything, and and I can think about it. I can, I can figure out how to solve the many problems that come. It makes us willing. You know, give us tremendous willpower. And Guruji Paramahansa Yogananda, in the spiritual diary, you know, on January 20, if you look for it, gives a beautiful thought. He said, when you are unwilling to perform a task, you are tired from the beginning. And when you are willing, you are full of energy. Always work willingly, and you will find that you are sustained by the inexhaustible power of God. So you see, our guru uh, kind of agreed with the ancient Greek. You know why? Because enthusiasm generates the necessary willingness which empowers God to infuse us with this force, with this creativity, with this power, which in turn allows us to make the necessary effort to reach what we want to reach in our life, whatever goals, whether material goals, worldly goals, or spiritual goals. So it's, it's a, a way that God blesses us with this enthusiasm, and we can turn to God, and we can develop, we can motivate ourselves spiritually, to manifest that enthusiasm, that willpower, that power to achieve in life. And I think all of us who have been on this path for a while, in the very beginning we felt tremendously enthused. You know, when we, for instance, when we read the autobiography of a yogi, you know, our guru's uh, autobiography. And I remember when I read that book, I couldn't believe that the book could answer all my questions. And, and uh, I felt it was a tremendous opportunity given to me to uh, develop myself, to understand what life was all about, to, to, to find within myself the necessary power to, to figure out who I was and what direction my life has to take. And I was a young man in those days, and I was uh, tremendously enthused by reading the autobiography. And uh, that enthusiasm, what does it do? It makes us believe that we can do it. I can do it. I thought, I can do this. You know, I, I think I really can do it. And so our will is, is swept into action. And we start to do things that we never did before. You know, we start maybe getting up an hour earlier in the morning in order to meditate a little bit and maybe going to bed uh, an hour later at night to, to find time to meditate and look and find times to study the beautiful teachings, the lessons, the SRF lessons, uh, the books that our guru wrote. And this type of thing, which really made our family and friends very worried about us, what's going on with him, how he is changing. But who cares? I have found a way to live my life. I found a spiritual path. I have a relationship with God, which I didn't have before. That's my life. I'll pursue it. I'll make it. I think I can make it. And so that's how we feel, and it's a beautiful, beautiful feeling. And also in the beginning, God can bless us. You know, we start our meditations, boom, we have a beautiful experience. You know, we just feel the light of God, the power of God, the, the love of God. And we feel, I'm going to do it pretty fast. <laughs> but unfortunately, it may not be so for most of us. So that initial enthusiasm is in anything for which we feel enthused, it gradually fades away. We get used to things and it fades away. And we get then to find the ability to motivate ourselves and feel, create that enthusiasm in ourselves and keep going. I think it's like this in many activities of life. For instance, even just a simple 
example, when we want to find, uh, do something which is exciting to us, like learning to play an instrument, learning to play the piano. You know, in the beginning we are very enthused, we want to do it, and in the beginning it's very easy to appreciate progress. You know, first we can't even, we don't know where to put our fingers, but pretty soon we, we can find our way. And then we start the very simple scales, and then we can do a little chords, then we can play a melody, and we are very happy and very joyful about this. We are, you know, our enthusiasm persists because we see progress, we see results, they're very easy. So we keep going. Until we start tackling a little more difficult scales, a little more difficult chords, more difficult melodies, then it's not that easy as in the very beginning. We need to make more effort. We need to practice more. And it's not always fun, you know, to repeat again and again. It's not always fun. And so we start getting a little tired. And what happened is three different possibilities, you know. Some people just quit, say, ah, this is too much, it's really not, not giving me that pleasure I expected, there's too much work, I, uh, it's okay, it's, it's fun, but I, I, I think I'm not done for this, I'll try something else. And some other people, some other students, they keep on, their enthusiasm persists, you know, their willpower persists, and they go on and they learn more until they can play some melodies, can play songs, they can play some pieces and they can entertain their friends with simple in simple ways and then they stop there you know that's enough for them you know okay fine I can play a little bit uh, that's enough I don't want to to strive more I don't want to <clears throat> make more effort it's just beyond me I'm happy where I am and it's fine perfectly fine it's for fun but then there is a more limited number of aspiring musicians who really like it not only they see the necessary effort and they love it. They love to make it. They love to make the effort. They love the challenge and they love that music. And they keep on and on and on for years maybe, regularly practicing until they become, they can really play music. You know, they can play something that is really beautiful, which can inspire. And if they have the right karma, then they can even play a Carnegie Hall one day. But that's the, a selection of the species, <laughs> which happens naturally when we start something uh, which requires effort. So I think in meditation it's a little bit like this, and the spiritual path is a little bit like this. We start with great enthusiasm. Efforts are easy to be appreciated in the beginning. You know, first we can't even know how to sit in meditation. You know, we sit all in all different ways until we finally we nail it. We can sit direct, and then we can meditate maybe fifteen minutes. And then we can go up to half an hour, and then 45 minutes, even an hour, you know. And it, 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 we feel the peace, we feel the, the relaxation coming from that meditation. We never felt it before. It's great. And then we start practicing our first affirmation. And we see our mind gets focused as never before. It's wonderful. We, we, we can concentrate. I didn't know I could concentrate like this. And we practice Hong So, and we feel this feeling of inner relaxation and detachment, you know, from the body. I can watch my breath, I can watch the body. I'm not that. I'm, I'm peaceful. My nature is really peaceful. I can see it. I can be detached. And it's wonderful, and it goes on for a while, until we reach a certain plateau, you know. Uh, we can concentrate, but not that much, you know. We can relax, but not to the point that we really would like. We reach a plateau, it's more difficult than to go 
beyond that. It requires effort. It requires sit down and meditate, even when you don't feel like. So, and again, again, there is a sel selection here. Some people after a while say, well, it's not working for me. Uh, I'll try something else. This is too much. You know, I want something more active. I want something which is more practical. It's challenging. It's too abstract. Any reason, but they don't feel like keep going. But then there is another vast group who keeps on, and then they make their effort, and according to their effort they make, according to their level of focus they can achieve, according to their dedication, they go to different levels. We go all to different levels of depth in meditation, different level of attunement, different level of feeling, God's presence in us. And we, we keep on like this. And it's wonderful. Each one at his own pace. Each one is directed by God and Guru in his own way, inwardly. You know, as long as we keep on, we persevere. You know. And then among these, there will be those few who just, uh, you know, like a shooting star, they can go up and, uh, and feel God and such like great holy saints, like many that we know about, like the Dayamatas, the Matas, and our own Guruji, but many of our regular you know, SRF devotees, they can go pretty deep. And I'm, I follow, I'm a spiritual counselor and I hear them and believe me, these teachings work. So in the commentary to the Bhagavad Gita and even to the Gospel, our Guru touches on these topics and uh, Krishna and Jesus touch on this matter. They, they mention this. It's very important. For instance, in the Bhagavad Gita, and this is from God Talks with Arjuna by our Guruji. Sri Krishna says, Among thousands of men, perhaps one strives for spiritual attainment, and among the blessed true seekers that assiduously try to reach me, perhaps one perceives me as I am. Our Guru's comments, Many sincere devotees of the Lord do not force themselves to seek Him with ever-increasing intensity in meditation, nor are they persistent in their search for Him. That is why they have only meager or fleeting inspirations and do not realize Him continuously. But a persevering devotee, in spite of much bad karma and the temptations of cosmic delusion, will certainly reach God in the end. And from the Gospel, the Lord Jesus said, But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. And our Guru in his second coming of Christ explains, Some who have begun the spiritual path first may nevertheless be the last to attain liberation. Their slower progress being the result of their present degree of realization and karmic burden and the lack of spiritual intensity and tenacity. Those devotees who have come later to the path, but who follow it with greater zeal, may be first to enter into cosmic consciousness and eternal freedom. In any case, those whose spiritual enthusiasm and love for God last to the end of life will be among the first to enter liberation in God's kingdom. So see, it's interesting. It's not just a matter of learning how to meditate, learning a technique. There's more than that. There is uh, some karma that needs to be burned out, and that requires time. 
And there is also the cosmic delusion, the temptations of cosmic delusion, the human nature, which go against these attempts to go within and meditate and find our own divine nature. So persistent enthusiasm and patience and maturity, spiritual maturity, things don't come. You can't find God overnight. You know, you can't become a, a nuclear engineer overnight. To find God required effort. But it's exciting, it's beautiful, and we have degrees of results which enthuse us, they keep us going. So very important to think in this way. Depth of meditation goes hand in hand with purification of our own consciousness, purification of our own life. You know? So it's a transformation, requires a little time. So how to keep the enthusiasm going during this time? Well, there are different ways that we can find to motivate ourselves. One, for instance, keeping in mind what we gain by making the spiritual efforts. Keeping in mind what we want, what we gain. One of our earlier disciples of Paramahansa Yogananda was Sister Ganamata, who was a nun, was a, a woman of great realization, great wisdom. And in a letter to a disciple, she gave this advice, See nothing, look at nothing but your goal, ever shining before you. See nothing, look at, goal, look at nothing but your goal, shining before you. We need to keep this goal, the spiritual goals in front of us. What do we want? Why do we meditate? Why do we sit down? Why do we do this self-discipline? Well, first of all, we want God. We want to overcome delusions. We have suffered enough in this life. We have enough of duality and joy and sorrow and ups and downs and light and darkness, you know. We want God. We want love. We want joy. Joy that doesn't depend on external. We don't want happiness which comes today because something happened in life good. And then the good is taken away by life and then we become, we become depressed again. We want to find that element of peace and joy which is part of our true nature in God. That's our nature. God created us joyful. Somehow we lost it, we lost that in the way, but it is there waiting for us to be pulled out, brought to surface. We want to become wise people, certainly wiser than we are. We want to develop understanding of who we really are, what are our, 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 why God did create us, you know, what am I supposed to do here with my life? We want to know that. We want to understand ourselves, we want to understand other people. We want to look through the differences that we may have with other people and find the common element, the common love that we can share. We want to look beyond people's defects and see the good in them and appreciate them and love them unconditionally. We want to become like those saints, you know, who invested their life in these pursuits and found God. We want to be like them. And Last but not least, we don't want to let our guru down. You know, we want our guru to be pleased with, with us, with our faith. We don't want to quit. You know, he's invested so much in us with blessing, with, with strength that he gives us, more than we realize. We want to give back to him. So we need to keep these goals ever shining before us, you know, and keep pursuing them, keep pursuing them. Somebody said the evil in man is that they forget. We don't want to forget, you know. Sometimes when we are going through a hard time, somehow we forget, you know. We don't see these things 
in front of our eyes. We need to recall, recollect them. A good way also is to keep a little journal of all the blessings that you find, that we find in our meditation. Sometimes we have a very good meditation. We can see a little light, we, see, we feel the great peace. Sometimes we sit down in meditation, we are worried. Uh, we are afraid, anxious about something. And then at the end of meditation, we feel courageous, we feel brave, we feel calm again. You know, Take a little paper, write down this blessing, what happened to us. Or sometimes we feel happy and we feel God's presence. Sometimes we have a beautiful dream, spiritual dream, which is very uplifting and reassuring. And again, we want to write this down. Sometimes we have insights in our life, in our spiritual life, in our relationship with others. You know, for us, we understand. All of a sudden, we, I can see clearly. We can write this down and then go to the journal, look back to it when times are a little rough, when we don't feel that enthusiasm, then it will help us to be faithful again, be brave again, be, feel that power within us. So that's a couple of methods. Another way to keep our enthusiasm is to be regular in our spiritual practices, especially meditation and study of the teaching even when we don't feel enthusiastic about it. It's a contradiction, you know, when you don't feel like doing it, that's a time where we really want to make an effort and do it, you know. It's the effort which creates the right mood. It's not the right mood. If we wait for the right mood to make the spiritual effort, we'll be inconsistent. We won't be regular. In anything that we want to achieve, we can't rely on passing inspiration or moods good moods to do what we want to do. We need to practice. You know, somebody said inspiration comes from perspiration. You know, we need to make the effort. Then we feel. There was an American writer who, I don't remember the name, but he wrote, I only write when I am inspired. And I make sure I'm inspired at 9.30 every morning. So we need to make the effort, then the inspiration will come. Many times, I mean, many times I've sat down in meditation and I really don't feel like doing it at all. And then maybe it's even a striving, you know, to calm down, to, to, to recollect. But I tell you, at the end of meditation, every meditation, you know, we feel so much better than when we started. And we feel in tune again. And we feel proud about ourselves. We know we did our part, we did our duty for now. So I remember the other important thing is that uh, uh, it's a matter of conditioning the mind. The mind will be conditioned to the practice and the mind will like the practice because it will see results. And the body will like the practice because it will see results. I remember one technique which I really wasn't very uh, enthusiastic about in the beginning was the energization exercises. You know, I was young, I was full of energy. I said, why do I need to energize? <laughs> so much energy. And it took me a while to become regular and to feel the benefits that we can gain from the regular practice of these exercises. You know, these are, for those who don't know them, are exercises that our guru has given us. And by willpower, we can direct life force to the various muscles in the body and energize them, rejuvenate them, and make them limber and flexible. You know, so it's a very exceptional technique. But I strived and finally I was able to practice regularly for a whole month, for a month, morning and evening. And then I forgot to practice them one morning. 
And then middle of the day, I, I started feeling, I, I didn't feel really good about my body. There was something wrong. I felt like I was tight. I was, I was not uh, flexible. I didn't feel good about what's going on. And then I remember, I didn't practice the exercises today. And then I said, oh, that's what they do. That's what they do. They really, I never noticed that, but they help. They really are a great help. Then I got very motivated. I never missed them. And if I missed them, I really missed them during the day until I practiced them. Then I feel good again. I don't think it's just a psychological thing. I feel the benefit of them. Another example was my practice of the OM technique. I could not click. It could not click. There are techniques which are very easy and natural for us to practice. Others are a little more difficult. OM technique is a technique that our Guruji Paramahansa Yogananda gave us to tune in and start perceiving the inner astral sounds from the spinal centers in the spine, the astral spinal center. Eventually, the sound of Om, the Amen, you know, the sound of the vibration of the whole creation. And it's a simple technique, but I just couldn't tune in with this technique for years, for years, for years, until one day it started working. I didn't get to the home right away, but it started working. And I, I, I was very happy that I didn't let go, that I kept practicing, however hard it was. So it's like this. You can't practice when you feel the mood. You have to practice, then the mood will come. You have to practice, and then the result will come. Then the motivation will come. And the mind will change. You know, our mind will become stronger. And our heart will change, and our desire for God will become deeper and deeper. So that's important, regular meditation, but also study. Study is great to find new insp renewed inspiration. Uh, our Guruji wrote so many, so many books, so many things, where he, he approaches the same topics from very different angles, you know. Why? So different personalities can be still interested in those teachings, find meaning and what they need. There is the intellectual side, there is the devotional side, there is the inquiring side. Uh, all these varying, varying personalities, mindset, can find something good in those teachings. And the other thing is that the teach, whatever we do, whatever we create, automatically is pervaded by our own vibration. The mind of the person who writes a letter, writes a book, somehow is projected and pervades the writing, pervades the book. So we tune in with what we right with what to read of other people. So when we read and study deeply our Guru's teaching, you know, we tune in with this mind and we gain wisdom. Sometimes we can hope to find the wisdom we want only from our meditation. We are not deep enough. We are not able to go deep enough. Then study compensate. Study give us the wisdom that we are looking for and the inspiration that we need to keep going. And another thing is to develop a sense of loyalty toward the spiritual path, you know, and pride in perseverance. You know, Sister Gyanamata also wrote these beautiful words. When devotion fails to support us, or when we think we have none, then duty must step into the breach. So this perseverance, this sense of duty, is important in everything that we do. It's in, it's in everything, in relationship, in work, and in the spiritual path as well.
But a little warning, in spite of all our effort and regularity, expect ups and downs, you know, those are part of life, you know, until we are, I believe that uh, the duality which is present in all creation, you know, it's the nature of creation is dual, until we reach complete liberation in God, that duality will affect our life and even our spiritual path. So there will be times when up, up and down, you know, sometimes we feel very well, sometimes the curve is a little lower, but we need to persevere. These ups and downs are part of the spiritual path, so we, sh they, we should not be discouraged. I remember once a devotee came for counseling, and he sat down like this, and was looking at me, and said, well, can I help you? And I said, well, you know, uh, I'm not regular in my meditation. And I asked, oh, why is that? And he said, because I don't like it, <laughs> which made me like him because oftentimes, you know, we just put a lot of reasons why we can't meditate regularly. I don't have the time, I don't feel good, I, a lot of reasons, but it's spelled out from the very beginning. I don't like it. I said, why don't you like it? I said, well, because it was great in the beginning and now I don't feel anything. I sit down, I don't feel anything, I, 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 I'm uh, uncomfortable in the poster and uh, this type of things, so I don't feel motivated. So I say, oh, okay, it has always been like this. He said, no, in the beginning it was different, it was good. So I say, okay, let me tell you a little story. And I told, you, I told him this story. There was this uh, monastery and uh, a young monk went to the habit of the monastery. He was a, a, spiritualized, a spiritualized man, he was a saint. And so he says, Sir, Master, uh, I need your help, I need your blessing, you know. Everything is wrong in my life. I can't meditate, I can't sit, my back aches, my mind goes all over the places. Uh, it's been like this for two weeks now, I don't know what to do. Unless you really bless me, I, I, I'm a complete failure. And the Guru looked at him, and then he said, it will pass, go away. He didn't really seem to empathize a lot, it will pass, go away. So the devotee went away a little dejected, he didn't get any sympathy from his master. But then two weeks later he returned to him and said, Master, Master, I want to thank you for your blessing. Everything has been great since I spoke with you. I can meditate, I can go deep, the body doesn't give any problem. Thank you, thank you very much. And the master looked at him again and said, it will pass, go away. And so he went away. So that's to exemplify that we need to accept, you know, as in everything else in life, there will be ups, there will be downs. But this doesn't mean that we are not going forward. We're going up and down while we're still going forward. We're still going forward. We're still going forward. The process of change in ourselves, of improvement, is still going on, even if we may not be that much aware of it. It's a journey. The spiritual path is a spiritual journey, and it's a wonderful journey. You had to cross through so many different landscapes. You go through beautiful valleys with uh, lakes and hills, beautiful green greeneries, but then you had to climb some mountains at times, and that's difficult, that's more difficult. But then you climb the mountains, you go, and you have another beautiful valley, but then you have to cross a desert, and that's not fun, but it's beautiful just the same. It's part of the journey until the journey is over, and then we are happy for what we're we are able to achieve and what we enjoy and learn through this journey. 
spiritual progress, you know, some people may be discouraged because they don't see progress, but the spiritual progress, it's not something that you can appreciate just like we appreciate any other progress in any other worldly or material uh, engagements. I remember reading something by, I think, Thomas More. is a contemporary writer, a very spiritual man, talking about this. I say, we can't expect to be able to appreciate spiritual progresses as we appreciate anything else in life, like, uh, for instance, the building of a house. From the very beginning, you can see what's going on and appreciate the results. First, you excavate the ground, and then you lay down the foundation, then you put the structure, then the infrastructure, then the walls, the roof, then the finishing, the doors, everything. At any moment in the process, you know exactly where you are at. But the spiritual path is a little bit different, and he, he compared it to the little caterpillar, you know? It's a little worm crawling, crawling, munching on leaves. And then one day something happened. He started creating a cocoon all around himself. And at that point, we don't know anything of what's happening until we see this cocoon being broken and this beautiful butterfly going out and fly with these beautiful wings. You know, it's a transformative process. It's a transformation. The process happened, but we are not meant to see it. We are not really meant to see what's happening inside us. So we had to trust that while we are making our efforts, even when we don't feel, the great spiritual magnetism is being created inside, which will attract God's presence and God's communion to us. Every time we strive, every time we sit down and meditate, even when we don't feel like our Guru put this in other words, very beautiful too. And I'm reading from sayings of Yogananda, this beautiful little book with lots of wisdom inside. He said, do not expect a spiritual blossom every day in the garden of your life. Have faith that the Lord to whom you have surrendered yourselves will bring you divine fulfillment at the proper time. You have already sown the seed of God's aspiration. Water it with prayer and right actions. Remove the weeds of doubt, indecision, and liturgy. When sprouts of divine perceptions appear, tend them with devotional care. One morning, you will behold the flower of self-realization. It's a beautiful words, you know. It's a transformation. It's not just learning a technique. We, our whole being needs to be spiritualized, you know our whole bad moods, bad habits needs to go away. It takes time. But the beauty in yoga, and in Kriya Yoga in particular, is we have techniques, we have plenty of teachings to tap when we need enthusiasm, when we need inspiration, when we need knowledge, when we need practicality. We have tremendous resources that can help us all along the way. So I close with this little quotation of our Guruji which is, to me, gives a lot of motivation. To cox God to give himself takes steady, unceasing zeal. Nobody can teach you that zeal. You have to develop that yourself. You can take a horse to water, but you cannot make him drink. Yet, when the horse is thirsty, it seeks out water with zeal. So, when you have an immense thirst for the divine, when you will not give undue importance to anything else, the tests of the world or the tests of the body, 
then He will come. Remember, when your heart call is intense, when you accept no excuse, then He will come. Another quotation. To a devotee on the right path, spiritual unfoldment is as natural and as unnoticed by him as his breathing. Once a man's heart is given to God, he becomes so deeply absorbed in him that he scarcely realizes that he has solved all of life's problems. Others begin to call him guru. In astonishment, he thinks, what? Has this sinner become a saint? Lord, may thy image be so bright on my face that no one will see me, only thee. Okay, let's, let's now uh, pray a little bit for others and then we have our healing technique together. So let's sit down again in our meditation posture and visualize the persons that we want to pray for here at the spiritual life, remembering them and visualizing them happy, healthy, beautiful, and sending them light, you know, visualize them enfolded in the healing light of God. And now let's stand and please pray after me. Heavenly Father, Thou art omnipresent, Thou art in all Thy children, Thou art in us. Manifest Thy healing presence in our bodies, in our minds, in our souls. Now let's raise our hands at the level of the forehead. And let's chant Om for the healing of the body. Om. For the mind. Om. For soul realization. Om. For peace in the world. Oh. Let us pray, Heavenly Father, Mother, Friend, Beloved God, Jesus Christ, Bhagavan Krishna, Mahavaratar Babaji, Bahiri Mahashaya, Swami Sri Yukteswar, and our Guru, Paramahansa Yogananda, saints of all religions, we bow to you all. Divine Mother, may thy love shine forever on the sanctuary of our devotion and may we be able to awaken thy love 
in all hearts. Om Peace.